The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to You're Gonna Love Me, the podcast where we open the eyes, the ears, and the hearts of anyone who has judged or been judged. Well, hopefully. I'm your host, Katie Maloney. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to an all new episode of You're Gonna Love Me. It's me, it's Katie, your host. And today with me, I have a very special guest. It is the proclaimed princess of taboo. How cool is that? I wish I was a princess of anything. <laughs> but she's a former wellness blogger turned investigative journalist. She's a comedian, writer, all those things. And her social commentary is everything. You have to follow her on social media. It's Ali Weiss World. And we're all just living in it. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Allie. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. And thank you for supporting my delusion and calling myself a princess of anything. I I appreciate it. it. And (laughs) just being down with my strange life. I'm excited to chat and hang out. It's incredible. So where do I even begin? Because I'm like, there's, 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 there is a lot. I talk about anything. I have no boundaries. Nothing's off limits. So anywhere you want to start. Well, I mean, yeah, I've noticed that. Okay. So you have a podcast. I do. I forgot to mention that in the intro. <laughs> so you have a podcast called Tales of Taboo. I do. Which it really does cover so many topics. Yeah. And they're confessions, not necessarily always your own confessions, but anonymous confessions from your like followers and listeners. Mm -hmm. They're refreshingly shocking. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And it's funny because I always say that like every time I put out a casting, I always think, okay, (laughs) this is the episode where no one is going to respond. Like no one's going to respond to this casting. It's just too wild. And that hasn't happened yet, which has been so cool. But it's rarely my confessions. The way that it works is I watch a lot of TV and I read. And anytime I see something where I'm like, oh shit, this is really interesting. Am I allowed to curse on this show? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is really awesome. I want to know more about this. I'll put out a little casting on Instagram and I'll see who in my audience or like their friends or their friends of friends responds and has something to say about it. And then they can send in voice notes or written confessions that I'll read for them. But what that ends up doing is like it totally shakes up the traditional podcast format because usually it's one-on-one an interview like this. This time, my listeners are my guests. And if they don't have stories for me, I got nothing unless I want to exploit myself on the mic, <laughs> which I do every once in a while. But it's so cool because, you know, I think that I'm, I'm always reluctant to call myself a journalist. I mean, I'm a very curious person and I've definitely put myself into some weird situations (laughs) over the years to get a good story. But I think when people report on stuff, it's always kind of from like an outsider's perspective. And there's a lot of speculation or drawing opinions or criticism of the thing that the reporter is reporting on. Whereas when I get these first person stories from my listeners, they lived it, man, you know? Mm -hmm. So like what they're saying Mm -hmm. is the gospel. That's how it is. And it's been really cool to learn about subcultures that way. Are you just like, man, there are some freaky (laughs) people that, you know? So I imagine you are a pretty open-minded person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is 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 there any topic or any subject that makes you cringe or blush? Well, that's funny because like, I think I work in the opposite way of most people where (laughs) I'm so down to air out my dirty laundry if it's about like 
my drug experiences, my mental health struggles, the weird people that I've met, the places that I've been, like emotionally, nothing is really off limits for me in that sense. But I hate talking about my personal life oh, I was publicly. About to say you'd be really good for reality TV, but no. <laughs> no, except I would. I think about that all the time. I'm like, should I be on a reality show? Because like, I'm such a freaking weirdo. Like, I feel like that's that's my calling. But the one thing that I get weird talking about is like my relationships. Mm. Mm. And I think actually that's the biggest thing because for the entire time that I have existed in the digital space, like on Instagram with my podcast, I've always been so afraid that it's going to stand in the way of me being able to like have someone love me for me and like the me who I really am behind closed doors and not like the crazy bitch that's going to Alabama and like throwing dead fish, you know? So it's something I'm trying to get better about because I also feel like at this point, my listeners have been so honest and open and trusting with me that like, I almost owe it to them to give me a part of myself, give them a part of me too. But I don't know, like, how do you strike that balance? Well, I find little tiny morsels and nuggets to keep to myself yeah. because because so much of my yeah so much of my life and relationships and friendships is yeah out there on the show yeah that there's not a lot left over but yeah. every time I do find a little bit of something that I can keep for myself but it's surprisingly easier than you think yeah like once you go there but you know you, once you go there you can't really complain I'm also just afraid <laughs> that like if I fully crack open that can of worms and like I'm talking about all the crazy parties that I'm going to and like all the the partying that I've done in the past and like these people that I'm meeting who are into subculture and who are like drug dealers or escorts or strippers or, you know, <laughs> like these are the people that I'm I'm meeting through work. And I almost feel like if I'm so candid about that side of myself and I'm also candid about who I'm dating and like my sex life, what do I have left for me. Mm. But I also find that nothing makes a female audience love you more than you coming out and like talking about your relationship problems Mm -hmm. and talking about like the sexual exploits that you get into. So I I think I'm, again, I'm still trying to find my footing with that. But shockingly, I'm like a little prudish when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. When it comes to hourly talking about that's like sex like I'll talk about sex as like social commentary politically in terms of like feminism but Your when people own. my <laughs> own sex life like how yeah. I'm getting down I'm just like oh god like my mother is probably listening to this uh-huh. and that's another part of it is like my parents are so supportive my mom is so not like a stage mom but she's also just like so proud of all my work and wants to listen to it and a hundred times I've been like mom this isn't for you you know what I mean like <laughs> no. you're not my target demographic and she just can't digest that so yeah I always think about her listening I know same well and when they watch the show and everything you're like wow this is this is an inside look that most you know parents and people would not get to life and yeah. everything <laughs> so when you when you're going to these like subculture events and these like raves or these weird ass things that, <laughs> yeah. that most people unless you're like into that would not you know partake in but you're doing it all in the name of journalism I mean are you just like in shock I mean how like are you just all about it like how are you not like yeah I mean I think that the biggest thing for me I grew up in New York City which is just I mean hysteria from like the day that you come out of the womb you know what I mean (laughs) just like constant state of overstimulation but I also felt like I never fit in anywhere the way that I grew up. Like I grew up very privileged downtown private school system. And my parents are great. And also from New York City, very like open-minded. But 
I just feel like I, I was never good at school. And like, I never wanted to be a doctor. I never wanted to be a lawyer. I always felt like I had too big of a personality for like the confines of my school and like the people around me. I also grew up really fast. I looked like this from the time that I was like 12. I went through puberty really early. So I think being forced to grow up before everybody else around me did also made me take myself like more seriously from a younger age. But also by the time I turned 15, I was like, all right, like let's go to the club. And (laughs) that's what I did. And so clubbing at 15 and kind of getting into nightlife in New York that young was my first taste of kind of going a little like off the beaten path from what most people are doing. (laughs) And I was like, this is awesome. You know, (laughs) like I'm seeing stuff that most people can't. And I'm surrounded by a lot of people who are freaks like me, which is really what I felt like. And so I think that a lot of the exploration that I've done into these subcultures has a lot to do with me trying to find myself in unexpected places. And I came to realize that the stories I was learning from the people that I was meeting were so rich with advice and life lessons in ways that the people that I was meeting in like the entertainment industry, it just, it wasn't like that. You know, I think Mm -hmm. when you take a gamble and you live your life so far outside the bounds of what society considers like socially acceptable, you grow a thick skin and you learn a lot about yourself and yeah. you learn what's important when you're not like wrapped up in in the hustle and like trying to conform. So to answer your question, I mean, there have definitely been moments where I look around and I'm just like, what the fuck? And like, <laughs> who am I? Why am I here? Yeah. What draws me to do this? But at the same time, I think all those years of doing that is really what made me learn about myself like way more than going to therapy. All right, we're going to take just a short break. So you've heard me say it a bunch of times before, but you know, your girl loves to unwind by playing games with my phone, (laughs) specifically match three. But I get bored with those because no matter how many times the little colors change or themes change or symbols change, it's just kind of the same, which is why I'm so glad I found this new game called Switchcraft, which combines magical match three puzzles with captivating choose your own adventure style story. Does it get better? Yes, I will tell you why. Because in Switchcraft, there's over 85 characters already. So much to explore there. We've got different cultural backgrounds, disabled, LGBTQ plus characters. There's tons and tons of levels. You're never going to get bored. And the story is very, very compelling. I can't wait to see what happens next. So, you know, I love witchy stuff. So in Switchcraft, you're going to play the role of Bailey, who's a witch at Pendle Hill Academy, and her best friend disappears. So now it's up to you to use your match three skills to solve the mystery. And it's really great with the Choose Your Own Adventure because you get to choose what Bailey does next. And you're going to meet friends and enemies and even fall in love along the way. It's real drama, people. And it is gripping. I have so much fun playing this game. Explore a realm of magic, mystery, and romance. Download Switchcraft on your mobile phone for free today. Okay, back to the show. Hi, I'm Bethany. And I'm Anthony Garcia. And this is the Garcia Diaries Unfiltered. In this day and age of filters and heavy editing, we believe in sharing the real and raw parts of marriage, parenthood, and real freaking life that often get filtered over. Every week, we share next level real life confessions from our audience. You'll either feel seen, highly entertained, or maybe even both. Come hang with us and catch a new episode every Friday. Make sure to follow so you don't miss a single confession. 
would you say that you kind of are not judgmental, but do you kind of look at people who are do conform and who are just kind of normies and be like, you're not living? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes and no. Like, I can't really judge anybody who like conforms because look, like I carried in a Chanel bag just like every other girl wants one. You know what? There's nothing wrong with Chanel. No, I mean, of course. I I just, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying like, I have as many basic (laughs) tendencies as the next girl, you know, and like the same aspirations of, of wanting certain things and wanting to accomplish certain things. I just, I think my biggest wish is that more people would like find the strength to do something different from what everybody else is Mm. doing and would find the strength to say like, I'm not interested interested in what all my friends are interested in or like what the algorithm tells me I should be interested in. I wish that more people would spend time this person offline. You know what I mean? (laughs) And like kind of take a look around and, and, and go places where they're not necessarily going to be supported by the people around them. So no, of course I don't judge anybody. I think the person I judge the most is myself, but you know, I do wish that more people would find the strength to to say no to shit that they just don't like. Yeah. When you judge yourself, what is the thing you judge the most? Oh my God. Like how much time do you have? Oh, well, the standouts. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I've always gotten really mad at myself that I haven't fit in anywhere. And that's defined a lot of my work and the choices that I've made as an adult. Like I always felt like I was too much or not enough or I didn't have a specialized interest. I wasn't good at school. Everyone always talks about like finding your passion, right? But the thing that I was the most passionate about was like meeting people Mm -hmm. and gathering experiences. And that's obviously a very privileged thing to say in certain ways, but it made me really depressed for a lot of years that like I didn't have a thing. And I feel like everybody we're surrounded by has a thing or a brand or something that they can lean really heavily on. And I don't know if you like relate to this, but I heavily relate to what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it really has gone to me and it still gets to me, even though I've built a career for myself that's based around that exact kind of feeling lost. It's made me feel really insecure. I'm like, what's wrong with me that I can't find a path as as easy as everyone else can? And, you know, I'm 28. I'm turning 29 next month, approaching 30. And I'm like, I still feel 22 in so many ways. Like, I still have so much to learn about myself and the world. So I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that maybe I'll wake up one day and I'll just be like, I got it. No, babe, I'm 36 and I'm still like, yeah. <laughs> where's my thing and why... <laughs> Why haven't I found it? I mean, well, I think also in something I listened to an episode of your podcast. And which one? The, well, it was the one that you're like, get to know me. And I was like, mm, I'm going to get to that, know That's me. actually a wild episode. No, no. It was, I mean, yeah, it was it was fantastic. But I was like, oh, my God, I love this girl. Because it was, it was so many things I related to. And I mean, you're somebody that has rebranded yourself a few times, yeah. which I feel, again, relatable because I feel like so many people want to just find their thing or find their brand yeah, and then stick to it because I think that's what we've been told to do, you know, go to college, get a, you know, education and find your career and then do that for the rest of your life. And I, no offense to anyone, but I find that to be kind of a bleak existence. Like I, I, like, well, maybe, maybe that's just my way of feeling better, but I just haven't found that. I've found many things I've liked to do. Yeah. hundred percent. Look, I, 
God, this is going to shame my parents for saying out loud. I'm so sorry, mom and dad. I never finished school. So much of that had to do with the fact that my mental health was really poor when I was in college. I actually came out to Southern California for school after growing up in New York City. And that's a switch that a lot of people do, California to New York and vice versa. (laughs) But I had like a really hard time adjusting. I was surrounded by a lot of people who... You know, like I said, I kind of lived out my 20s between the ages of like 15 and 18, which is (laughs) fucked in a lot of ways. But I was surrounded by people where going to college was like their first taste of independence. And they had never met like a New Yorker before, just like somebody. I I was very sassy at that time. I ran my mouth a lot. I feel like I met a lot of people who didn't really understand sarcasm, but I felt just so displaced. And it ended up really getting in the way of me being able to do a good job at school But at the same time, I was also like, why am I here? You know Mm. what I mean? Like, why am I following the same path that's been cut out for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other people? Like, this is what I was saying earlier about I don't judge anyone, but I do wish that more people found the inner strength to make their own decisions without worrying about what their parents had to say about it or their friends or people who are living a more traditional existence. And, you know, I think that the people, again, no offense to them, as you said, but I think those people often wake up when they're like in their 40s or in their 50s and they're like, I'm like, what did I do? You know what I mean? Like, I'm so bored and I would so much rather feel lost for 10 to 20 years longer than the average person, but not feel bored or stagnant. We got to pause. And this message is all for all my single people out there because it is your time. It's officially your time. We love our married friends, of course, but it's expensive to have them. No lie. I mean, every time you turn around, it's like, oh, an engagement gift. Oh, a wedding gift. Oh, someone's having a baby. Guess I got to get another gift for them. And it's your turn to collect because Visible has teamed up with the Match Group who are behind Tinder and OkCupid, Plenty of Fish and all the other dating apps to create a gift registry just for singles. How do we love that? I mean, incredible. After all, Visible is the wireless service built for singles with single line plans as low as $25 a month. You can build your registry at visiblesinglesregistry.com. The first 1,000 people are going to get a free gift as well. And these gifts are really geared towards the single life. I mean, wine glass that can hold a whole bottle of wine. Yes, please. I, I could use one of those. You only need one after all. You don't need a set. So that's what's up. <laughs> now, thanks to Visible, single people can finally get the gifts they deserve. Hell yes. As well as a single line wireless with unlimited data, talk, text, and hotspot to live that single life to the fullest. Build your registry at visiblesinglesregistry.com. Build your registry at visiblesinglesregistry.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Listen, I felt like at that age, I was like, "What? how on earth would I be equipped to make this kind of decision at this age? What do I know about the rest of my life? I did pretty okay in, yeah. <laughs> in, in high school. Yeah. But I didn't know what I wanted to do or what I wanted to go to school for. I was like a theater major. Like, right. so, you know, That's what I did for the record, <laughs> theater. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so I so I I went just I was like, you know what? I will give give it the old college try, literally. Literally. And sure enough I went and I was like, no, this is not what I want. I want real life experience. I want to put myself in the world and see how I do because I feel like that is 
an education. Yes. This, the streets will give me the education. Yeah. The streets of Utah will, <laughs> will equip me with everything I need in life to be a successful functioning. Listen, maybe you know more than I do like, coming from New York City. Maybe I'm uh, underestimating in Utah. I Utah's got lessons to, to teach. I don't think so. But I did, but you know, I did move to LA when I was 20. Yeah. And that Oh, yeah. That's young. Oh, yeah. yeah I can know? imagine. And look, I mean, I think that there are a lot of people where going to college is their way out. It's their ticket to a better life mm -hmm. than what they were given growing up, whether that's a different like socioeconomic bracket or a different state or like yeah. they want a career that's very hard to enter. And going to college is your way of making your dreams a reality. But I also feel, especially from the world that I'm from, a lot of people go to college either because it's the thing to do or as an easy way out, as yeah. a way out of having to make big decisions, a way out of having to really think long and hard about what am I good at? What makes me happy? How do I want to spend the rest of my life? And not to be so like grandiose about it. But I also think that a lot of people, instead of like doing the work to get in touch with themselves emotionally, whether that's going to therapy or just being introspective, dump all of that into their work and are like, I'm going to get really, really rich. I'm going to be really, really successful. Yeah. And once I get to a certain place, all my problems are going to go away. And obviously that's not <laughs> how it works, but yeah. especially in a place like LA or New York, you know, you're surrounded by tons of people like that. And so, you know, I totally respect and I'm so here for people who go to school to set them up to achieve their dreams. But I, so many people go to college just because it's the thing to do. And in a lot of ways, it buys you time. Yeah. And it's expensive time. To it's, buy. Yeah. It, it buys <laughs> you know, time while making you broke. Yeah. I don't know who's buying who. There, <laughs> yeah. but, but, <laughs> so well, true. Well, and something else when you're talking about the, you know, rebranding or, you know, things like that. And what well, was it on those lines? But yeah, I think in that same portion of that. When you're talking about rebranding and changing sort of trajectory and pivoting, you were kind of speaking to some haters that you're getting about people commenting about you failing. And you're yeah. like, I don't fail. I You changed your mind. Right, so changed you, my mind. It changed interest, your interest changed. Yeah. So you, didn't, you said I didn't fail. My interest changed, which is something I relate to as well, because, you know, I think so many people think that, you know, they, they should be doing something again to just like make a ton of money. But you you also were saying finding what you like to do and what's going to make you happy and serve you. Yeah. And trying everything possible, which yeah. I think is like so refreshing and what, which is really sound advice that more people should be taking in their life. Thank you. I mean, especially I think when you have any sort of platform, look, I'm not on a reality show and I, I don't have a million followers, but I have a platform filled with women and some men who really listen to what I have to say and have been with me through all of those rebrands. And I do feel responsible to give them the best version of myself, whoever she is at that moment in time. And I feel really bad for people who are in the influencer space and build their brands based on one thing and then feel trapped in that for the rest of their career. Like they can't change because their followers are going to get mad at them. The same way that if you're on reality TV, I think that a certain narrative is presented for you. You're edited in a certain way. And because when we watch reality TV, we think we're seeing people and not characters a lot of the times people get like pigeonholed into showing one very specific side of themselves and building a, a brand around that. So I don't know. I just feel like when you work online, at least in my experience, I went through what like 
normal people who are working in corporate America, for example, when you're in your 20s, you change jobs all the time. You like work at a place. You're like, I hate this. You try something new. Maybe you go to school. You know what I mean? You get a degree. I feel like that's exactly what I did just <laughs> on Instagram and and maybe not as like academic. But I feel like they everyone thinks that's okay when you're younger. You know, you're just working jobs. But then once you get into your 30s, people are like, well, what are you doing? Right. But I hate like what, that. So like, what's your career? You're like, I'm Sharon. I'm figuring it out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, it's just, it's so I wanted, but I plan on doing a lot of things. Right. This is my season of this. The next season, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Um, I just don't know why we've all been engineered to believe, especially as women, that like there's an expiration date for growth mm. and like for self-realization. It's so dumb. And I'm actually maybe one of the only people who's really looking forward to turning 30 because like I actually have made it my mission to spread the word that like turning 30 is like turning freaking 27. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a, great. You don't turn 30 and all of a sudden have to become an adult. It's just the beginning of a new chapter of your life. And hopefully you're a lot less like dumb and careless than you were in your 20s. Oh, it's great. Correct you, me if the, I'm wrong. No, you're. it's it's better. And it just as you get further into your 30s too, it becomes even more epic because you... I want to say you care less, still care, but like the, you give less fucks. You really, you really, really get to know yourself. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing. I yeah. think, you know, it's awesome. because when you're like in your twenties, you're like, I, it's just, you don't know, you don't know anything. No. It's, it's a complete exploratory decade of just like, just out here, <laughs> just willy nilly. Yeah. I think. 30s really should be the 20s where you where you're supposed to be in you know your peak your prime yeah like just given for the life. record all sorts of studies show that women in their 30s have better sex than women in their 20s and are more sexually satisfied and I feel like we should see our 30s especially like our early to mid 30s really all of them though we should see our 30s as like our 20s just with more money and like more power <laughs> and more, liking ourselves more. more financial stability yes. and freedom and 100 percent yeah yeah <laughs> right and like a better ability to say no to people who don't serve you like especially fuck boys for example you know what I mean or bad bosses oh god fuck boy yeah. <laughs> see I'm 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 newly uh single I'm getting a divorce and so all these things that I haven't had to think about in 12 years mm. are popping up as I am embarking on you know single life again and I'm like <laughs> I'm on the opposite wavelength of you I'm in my first serious relationship in four years So if you want to exchange like wisdom and advice about what to expect in my 30s and how to stay empowered for the next couple of years, I will give you so much good advice about navigating the dating scene because I was really good at dating. Like really good. (laughs) Oh, I will take I will take any and all advice. I'm here for it. I'll work for free too. (laughs) You don't have to pay me any money for counseling. I'm here Uh, to help. Okay, amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like I'm, I'm not doing any apps. I've decided at least yeah. not for the foreseeable future. Don't. Listen, I'm not. I'm. I'm just out here trying to like have fun anyway. So I'm not trying to like find a relationship. I met my boyfriend not on an app. We got set up through mutual friends unexpectedly at like the very last minute to go to an event together. But I just think that now we're all so glued to our phones that if you are one of the very few people who's like, I'm actually rising above that. And like, <sighs> I refuse to just be like a number in the little carousel of people who get shown to you on an app. Yes. That in and of itself just gives you so much power. It really does. Someone who can like hold eye contact and make conversation and feel comfortable in themselves, like IRL, you're going to have no problems. And someone's going to get 
way more credit in my book if they actually were to walk up to me at a grocery store, a yeah. bar or wherever and just say yeah. like, hi. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, what's up? Rather than someone lazily uh, swiping or whatever or sending a message. Right. On, it takes absolutely yeah. no effort. No exactly. effort. And it's a lot of people, you know, give advice about like, oh, how to make people like work for it on dating apps. You know, you wait this amount of time to respond or you're really selective about who you talk to. I'm like, but at the same time, there's just, it's zero effort required. You know mm. what I mean? Like you're just... Selective. Tapping your fingers the same way you'd send a freaking <laughs> meme to someone. It's no diff. I don't, yeah. So there was one taboo topic that, that you talked about recently. And I didn't, like it struck a chord with me because it's something I actually talked about this like last season on Vanderpump Rules. But you brought up like an abortion story that yeah. I was like, which which again, it's like, I wish more people talked about like mental health. And, um, you know, abortion is something that's so heavily stigmatized and taboo and just it's ridiculous to me because it's just, you know, especially as women, our our bodies, our everything is it's just it's under yeah so much scrutiny and yeah and, and so I want to say thank you for sharing that and you thank know you bringing more listening. awareness and, and sharing your own your own confessions around that. And yeah, like I said, I just feel like after this time, I have been feeling more and more like I owe my followers as much as they're choosing to give me because you know parasocial relationships are weird. Like you don't really know each other, no. but people just kind of deduce who you are from what you post. And then in my case, they trust me enough to dump things onto me that they've never told anyone else before. And I think I've really struggled over the past couple of years as I've been rebranding myself of like figuring out how to use my privilege. And I feel like that's a, a statement that's been thrown around a lot, especially in the past two years. And I, I've just been thinking a lot about like, okay, what, what I mean by privilege is like, it is my job basically to like exploit myself online the same way that if you're on a reality show, it's your job to be entertaining and be like a certain version of yourself and give the people what they want. I think all entertainers deal with this, but the more in-depth I go, the more taboo I go, the more my work is celebrated. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I've created this life preserver for myself where it is my job to speak about things that nobody else wants to speak about. And I'm able to do that because speaking out about taboo topics such as abortion is not going to lead me to lose my job or be isolated by my friends and family, kicked out of my community, rejected by my, you know, my church or mm -hmm. whatever it is. And so as scared as I was putting that story out there and as much as nobody wants to be cyber bullied, I was just like, if not me, who's going to do this? You know, I'm lucky enough to have this platform where I can speak about certain things in the hope that it will inspire others to find the strength to do the same. And mm -hmm. thank you so much for actually bringing this up because there are a lot of people who want to shy away from it or say that it's not on brand for them to talk about. But I don't understand how women can claim that they're liberal and open-minded and pro-women's rights, but then say that like me coming on their show and talking about my abortion is going to isolate their audience. That's exactly why abortion remains so taboo mm -hmm. because it's so secretive and so private and nobody just wants to get real about it. Yeah. It's triggering to a lot of people. And I understand it. It brings up a lot of emotions for people. Of course. But I think we have to sit with the discomfort. Yes. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> and if we're going to talk about mental health and we're going to talk about sex and we're going to talk about women's empowerment and their right to do whatever the hell they want, check, check, check. I'm here for it. But 
this has to be a part of the conversation because like a million women a year are getting an abortion. You know what yeah. I mean? This is not something that plagues a t- teeny tiny percentage of the population. This is a, a women's health issue. It's, it's communal. Massive. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thank you for it's having been me. Amazing. I like. I I truly love you. I think you're incredible and so much fun. And I just enjoy all your commentary and everything taboo. So I like to end my podcast with a rage text of the day. So if you have a rage text that you would send to like a person, a place, an object, or anything that's currently just really you know, twisting your tits. What, what I already you, know. What would you say? Okay. I already know. I was 15 minutes late to this interview because <laughs> I couldn't get a freaking Uber. Okay. Los Angeles, if you are not going to have a public transportation system, you better put more Ubers on the road. And Uber, supply and demand people. Mm-hmm. I got canceled on like four times before I finally got one. So I would send a strongly worded text to both Uber and the city of Los Angeles, absolutely nobody is going to read that strongly worded text. They'd be like, shut up. We have bigger fish to fry. But I'm not feeling too happy about that because <laughs> it jeopardized our time together. Yeah. Well, it, I think it's quality. Upper yeah. quality. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much. Where thank can people you find you and you know, listen to your podcast? They can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Ali Weiss World. That's Weiss with two S's. And my podcast, Tales of Taboo, streams anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Until next time, I love you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, follow along on social at Music Kills Kate, and tune in next week for an all new episode. 